Well, I don't know if it's typhoid or the coronavirus or what it is that I have, but uh, I would stay clear if I was you. Um, if you, if you don't, if you have no regard for your own safety, I'll take the hugs after if you, if you're somebody already put their life in my hands today. So, um, but uh, I'm still glad to be here with you guys. Glad I could make it. Um, let's start with a word of prayer, shall we? Heavenly father, we come before you in Jesus name and uh, Lord, we're grateful and we're thankful father for your holy word that you put in front of us. Uh, Lord, that we could just study it together and and we can trust and believe, Father, that your Holy Spirit is here with us because you promised us just that through your Son, uh, Lord, and that he's present to touch us in our hearts and to heal us, uh, Lord, and to grow us and to strengthen us, Lord, and to bring about change in our lives, Lord, to break down strongholds, uh, Lord, and to convict our hearts and our spirits that what we're doing is right or wrong, um, that we would change our ways or continue on the path that you've set us on. Whatever the case may be, Father, we pray that you would be, be here today with us and that every heart would be willing to hear from you, Lord, whatever it is that you might say. Uh, Lord, there's no possible way that I could know what each person needs from you today, Father, but you know every single uh, part of their innermost being, Lord. Every, every hair of their head is numbered, Lord. Um, you know everything about them, Lord, and I pray that they would have communion, each of them, with you today, uh, Father, and that you would speak into their hearts, Lord, and that you would give them direction. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, there, there is a sign-up sheet out there, I, I do believe, um, for VBS, and it's, it's kind of up in the air right now whether or not we're going to be able to do VBS. It totally depends on the help that we're able to, that we're able to get. Um, VBS is a great thing. It's a, it's a wonderful thing for our community. Uh, it's a wonderful outreach, um, but can't do the work if we don't have the workers. Um, and, and don't take that the wrong way, okay? We don't do thermometers here, <clears throat> right? We don't do telethons and, and all this other thing. We don't do high pressure. That's not how we work. Unless the Lord builds a house, they labor in vain. You know what I'm saying? I mean, if the church folds and collapses, mom and dad will move into my basement, and we'll be all right. We'll be fine. Like, God is good, man. I only, I don't, me personally, I only ever want to do the things that God is calling me to do. I'm just not interested in anything else. I'm not interested in guilt trips. I'm not interested in a whole bunch of jargon and a whole bunch of pomp and circumstance. I'm interested in doing the things that I know that God's called me to do. I'm interested in encouraging you guys to find or to continue in the things you know God has called you to do. That's what matters, man. That is what matters. The rest of it is just a bunch of noise. You know, and I remember Pastor Chuck preaching a message, and, you know, he said so many of the things that go to the church, and I've probably told the story a bunch of times, but uh, it was so meaningful to me, like father, like son. Uh, it was so meaningful to me, and, and Pastor Chuck said, you know, so many things that go on in our own lives uh, or, or, or things that sweep through the church, different movements, a new book, a new movie, a new this or a new that, a new preacher, a new this, a new teaching series, and, and he goes, and it's, it's, everyone's talking, it's the greatest thing. And he goes, all I can think of is the fireworks displays. And you go and you watch these fireworks and whoa, ooh, ah, and crowds and throngs of people rush in to watch these fireworks and is so impressed with them. And then once the fireworks are gone, everyone leaves. He goes, but if you were to stay and you were to stand there, once the smoke cleared, you'd see the stars. 
and the stars and their, in their, in their vastness and the magnitude and the power of what they are far outweigh and exceed any firework that man could ever exceed. And they were there long before the fireworks and they're there long after and they don't change and they don't move. He said, that's what God is. And would be to God that that's what he would be in each one of our lives. Immovable unchangeable, immutable. The truths of God, the word of God, the things of God don't change. He says of himself that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I don't know about you, but in the world we live in and those sinking and shifting sands that we walk on every single day, an immutable, unchangeable God is exactly what we need. He never, never moves and likewise, he says, he will never leave us or forsake us. That's the God that we serve. Um, so turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Numbers. Numbers chapter 9. <clears throat> and dad got up to verse 15, I believe. So uh, he talked about the Passover and God... Um, having the people, people continue in the Passover and uh, the issue of what if someone's not able to do the Passover because they've been made unclean by uh, whatever. <laughs> There's so many different ways you could be made unclean or if they're traveling and they're unable to, to celebrate the Passover. And so God provides this mercy in which, because again, and this is one of the beautiful things, not to go over what dad just preached, but here we go. Uh, sorry, dad. Um, <clears throat> You know, God gives this law of the Passover. And again, this reflects and points ex exactly directly to Jesus Christ and his work on the cross. That's what the Passover is. Remember, on the day that God instituted Passover, when they were in Egypt, and he said all of the Israelites must take the blood of a lamb, a perfect lamb, without blemish, without defect, and that lamb must be slain. And in the blood of that lamb, with a hyssop branch, the blood must be spread and put on the doorpost and the lentils of each door of every single home. And every home, every door that possesses that blood, when the angel of death passes through the land of Egypt to destroy the firstborn of all families of every house, if it finds the blood of the lamb on the doorpost of a home, it will pass over that home. There will be no death there. There will be no destruction. There will be no devastation there in that home. You guys get the picture, right? I mean, you can't read that and not go, yeah, wow. That's exactly what Jesus Christ is. It points directly to him. Perhaps one of the most, if not the most important religious uh, um, uh, observances that God gave to the children of Israel to directly reflect Jesus Christ and the work that he was going to accomplish in each of us individually. It didn't matter if you were an Israelite. It didn't matter if you were an Egyptian. It didn't matter if you were good. It didn't matter if you were bad, if you were tall, short, fat, skinny. None of it mattered. If the blood of the lamb was on the doorpost of your home, you were safe. And if the blood of the lamb was not on the doorpost of your home because for whatever reason you thought it didn't apply to you or that it wasn't necessary because you were a good person, the angel of death would visit your house and someone was going to die. This is an eternal game that we're in with eternal consequences. It's life and death. And it's not something so simple and trivial as physical life and death, but it's eternal destiny. It's eternal life and death. 
And so the Passover and its observance was not up for debate. It was not up for question. If you are one of my children, you will celebrate the Passover. But yet, at the same time, God wanted to make sure that this didn't become just some sort of a religious observance. Think of communion. Or just something that we do once a month or something that we do once a year, whatever the case may be. He wanted them to understand if there's something, if you've been made unclean, because of somebody dying suddenly in your presence, for example. Or if you're away traveling, it can't be helped. Men are out in the battle of war, and there's no way that they can do the Passover lamb. Then, of course, God made, God made provisions so that they could one month later celebrate the Passover. It's not about obeying the religious observance itself. It's about what it means. Right? Again, it always goes back to the heart of the thing. And we're studying through the book of Numbers and, and all the books of the Old Testament. Remember that all the things that God was giving the children of Israel physically to do, to obey the ordinances, for us, these are things that are matters of the heart. These are things that are matters of the heart. So uh, join me, if you will, in, in Numbers chapter 9 and starting with verse 15. <clears throat> Now on the day that the tabernacle was raised up, the cloud covered the tabernacle, the tent of the testimony. <clears throat> From evening till morning, it was above the tabernacle like the appearance of fire. Now, now just stop. And we were, I was talking to the kids this morning. We are around the island in my kitchen, and we're just talking about these kind of things and, and how you can just read through the Word of God. You can just read through it, especially a book like the book of Numbers, right? And he's like, dear Lord, help me to get through this without quitting or without falling asleep or, you know, or whatever. But, but, but if we're careful when we handle the word of God and if we're prayerful when we handle the word of God and we say, God, show me what your word means. Help me to be patient. Help me to be careful when I go over and observe your word and show me what, what it means and show me the hidden things that are there. There's so much depth and there's so much power. If you just stop, think, just imagine yourself being one of the children of Israel. And after all of these days of Moses coming down from Mount Sinai, and telling you, telling you all of the things that God had said and all the commandments that God had given and all of the articles of the tabernacle and, and the way that it was to be constructed and put together and how it was to be carried and how it was to be transported and the observances of all the festivals and the, all of these things. Now finally the day comes and the tabernacle is erected and it's put up and here comes the presence of Almighty God in a cloud that has the appearance of fire and settles over the top of the tabernacle. Imagine the heart of the person seeing that. Imagine what you would feel. Imagine what that would be like in that moment. These are the times when we're reading the Old Testament, we say, I wish I could have been there. You know. And then a little while later, when the earth opens up and swallows up hundreds and thousands of them, you go, I'm so glad I wasn't there. You know what I'm saying? You know, be careful what you wish for. Right? The, the, yes, they saw great miracles, and the things that God did were absolutely, literally out of this world. But I'm so grateful to be under grace. I'm so grateful to be under grace. Um, and so um, the, the, the cloud appeared, uh, uh, verse 16, so it was the cloud covered it by day and the appearance of fire by night. Whenever the cloud was taken up from above the tabernacle, after that, the children of Israel would journey. And in the place where the cloud settled, there the children of Israel would pitch their tents. 
At the command of the Lord, the children of Israel would journey. And at the command of the Lord, they would camp. As long as the clouds stayed above the tabernacle, they remained encamped. Even when the cloud continued long, many days above the tabernacle, the children of Israel kept the charge of the Lord and did not journey. So it was, when the cloud was above the tabernacle a few days, according to the command of the Lord, they would remain encamped. And according to the command of the Lord, they would journey. So it was, when the cloud remained only from evening until morning, When the cloud was taken up in the morning, then they would journey, whether by day or by night. Whenever the cloud was taken up, they would journey, whether it was two days, a month, or a year that the cloud remained above the tabernacle, the children of Israel would remain encamped and not journey. But when it was taken up, they would journey. At the command of the Lord, they remained encamped. And at the command of the Lord, they journeyed. They kept the charge of the Lord at the command of the Lord by the hand of Moses. You get it? Right? Like, let's like, okay, I, I got it five verses ago, dude. Like, you said the same thing over and over and over again. Exactly. Exactly. You get it? Do you get it? Do you get it? Yes, Dad, I get it. No, do you get it? Do you get it? You tell me a thousand times. Do you get it? Do you get it? Do you understand? Do you get it? Because this is important. And what God was teaching the children of Israel, this was an eternal lesson, not just for them, but this was for you and I as well. This is vastly important as it relates to your relationship personally with God through Jesus Christ. Don't you move without the Lord's leading. Don't you make those big decisions without the Lord's leading. But he hasn't said anything. But he hasn't. And if the cloud remained up to a year, then they didn't move. I like God messing with them. Because some of it just seems mean. You know what I'm saying? Like God's like, Gabriel, watch this. Watch this. He goes, oh, take it up. Okay, you see that? And they got to move again. Oh, Oh, look at that guy. He's so mad. He's so mad right now. Look at him. He's like, I, I, I just put this tent up, and now, Lord. Can you imagine logistically anywhere from one to two million people, and God, the clouds moving, and they're, and they're moving through the desert. Oh, you know, and they're walking through the desert, and the cloud settles. Finally, the cloud says, are we there yet, Dad? Shut up. We're finally there, and we're going to set up the tents. And now remember, the cloud settles, and the tabernacle has to be set up a specific way, and then all of the tents of every single family of the entire nation of Israel has to be set up exactly the way God had ordained it to be set up to the north, to the south or to the east or to the west of the tabernacle exactly and perfectly as God had said it and they get set up and the cloud moves. Can you imagine the complaint department that day? Can you imagine if they grumbled when they were hungry and they grumbled when they were thirsty, which seems legit, can you imagine how they grumbled and how angry they must have been when God pulled one of these on them. Or when it's just like the cloud settles and it's like, Mo- I, Moses, I can see water from here. 
Why are we camping here? I can see it, dude. I can see it. What? The cloud stopped, brother. The cloud stopped. Shut up and set up the tent. That's it. But it's right there. I can see it, man. I can smell it. But God stopped here. So now you have a choice to make. God doesn't know what he's doing. God doesn't know what he's talking about. God doesn't understand me. God doesn't know what it's like. But God doesn't know. But, this, but you don't understand. You don't know how it feels. God knows every single bit of who you are. He knows every single minute detail about every aspect of your entire life. And he loves you. But a part of his love and a part of his guidance in your life and a part of him moving you and showing you and using you is him training you and teaching you. And we are a stiff-necked people, just like the children of Israel. And we are an impatient... Can you imagine? I mean, if they were impatient, hello, was the internet slow at all this week? Because I'll burn this house down, quite frankly. I'll just burn it all. I'll show you no internet. I'm going to go chop the pole down in the street. That'll fix them. That'll fi- I mean, you're telling me I can't go online and play Mad Skills motocross? I will burn this place. You don't understand what it's like to be me and not have the internet. You understand? I got games to play. I got things to do, man. I got people who need me on Facebook. You know what I'm saying? They're just waiting. They're sitting there waiting. When's he going to post? When's he going to do a meme? When's he going to say something political? What's going on here? I, don't you understand? Can you imagine? So because of the great luxury and because of the ease and, and, and how easy things are for us to access and to have in this day and age, we are perhaps the most impatient people that have ever walked the face of the planet. But God, remember, hasn't changed. God is immutable. God is immovable. God is unchangeable. And His ways haven't changed. His ways are above our ways. So let me ask you a question. Do I need to change my ways to align them with his? Or does he need to change his ways to align them to mine? That's right, amen. You hear that, baby? God has absolutely no problem inconveniencing you. What's more, I personally think he enjoys it. I really do. I mean, I kid you not, no matter what, it never fails, something will happen, and my wife will step, uh, it, it's almost as like she appears through the wall. You know what I'm saying? I didn't even know she was home. And she'll appear from out the wall and go, boy, God loves messing with you. And I'm sitting there going, ah, I know, he does. You know, Hold it together, don't put your own head through the wall. God needs me, God needs me quiet here. And God needs you quiet here. Remember the, the, the beautiful story of the prophet out in the desert 
and he's waiting to hear the voice of God. And here comes this burning fire. And surely the, surely the, vo- the word of God is here, and it wasn't there. And then comes the rushing wind. And surely the word of God is going to be here in the rushing wind, and it wasn't there. And then he heard a still, small voice. Child. 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 Put the radio's up. Or the TV's on. Or I'm at the movie. Or I'm in the middle of this. Or I'm in the middle of that. Or I'm running around like a chicken with my head cut off. And I don't have five minutes to sit and shut my mouth And more importantly, shut my mind. To shut it off and listen. God, what are you saying? I never hear from the Lord. Have you ever really meditated? Have you ever sat completely quiet in your heart and your mind and just waited? Few and far between, if I'm being honest. I got a list for God. A long list. And listen, I'm a good person. I'm a good person. I swear it. I swear it. I swear it. And so <clears throat> these things are all, sorry, technical difficulties. See how impatient I am? This is God right here. Too. If Nikki was here, she would come out through the She'd lean in the window and goes, God loves messing with you. Because this thing is popping off of my ear. Where was I? <laughs> sorry. God wants us to be quiet. God wants us to get before him and listen and hear his voice. He needs that from us. He needs that from us. And we're so busy and we're such in a hurry. We've got places to go. We've got people to see. We've got things to do. And I feel like so often in my own life, I stop and realize that I've been running down the road and God's just and he stays there. He stays because I'm running in circles. Hey, Frank, want to? Hey, you want to stop for a minute? <laughs> if we would just wait on the Lord. I want to read for you a few verses. Psalm 37, 9. Psalm 37, 9. For evildoers shall be cut off. But those who wait on the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. you remember who else Jesus said would inherit the earth? Say it again. The meek. What are the attributes of a meek person? Do I need to have it now because it's me? Hello? Do you know who I am? A meek person is someone who says, I don't need to be first. I don't need to have things my way. God's will is the one that needs to be done. Interesting. Those who wait in the Lord will inherit the earth. And then Jesus said, the meek will inherit the earth. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. You guys all know this verse. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Did you ever think to yourself that maybe when God has you waiting and when God wants you to just be quiet and still for however long a time and just wait on him and rest in him, that that is exactly the time that he's renewing your strength for the journey ahead? He needs you to wait and he needs you to rest in him so he can renew your strength. Lamentations 
chapter 3, verse 25 says, The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. Proverbs chapter 19, verses 2 and 3 says this, Also, it is not good for a soul to be without knowledge, and he sins who hastens with his feet. The foolishness of a man twists his way, and his heart frets against the Lord. He sins who hastens his feet. Some of the classic examples that we have in Scripture, and, and I like to use the examples of the people who are the most revered, the most renowned, Abraham. One of the most renowned persons, Father Abraham. He is the father, the scripture says, of those who believe. He is the example given by the writer of Hebrews as to why we are justified by faith. How we are justified. He is the primo example. Abraham believed God and it was accredited accredited to him as righteousness. And the writer points out that that was before circumcision and before the law was given, he was justified by faith. And so he became the father of those who believe. And yet we know this thing about Abraham. He was a worrier. He was a fretter. And he was in a hurry to see the promises of God fulfilled in his life. And God had promised him. God had made him an impossible, ridiculous, silly promise that you who are old and your wife who is barren, you're going to bear a son. And I'm going to make a nation out of you through him. And he waited, and it didn't happen. And he waited, and it didn't happen. And finally, Sarah said to him, Honey, Abe, it's not happening, guy. So here's what we'll do. Take my handmaiden, Hagar, and have a child with her, and we'll treat it as though it's ours. And that'll be how the Lord will produce the promise. And so Abraham, because of his fear and because of his fretting and because he loved and trusted his wife, nothing wrong with that, of course. But together, they went ahead of the Lord. And they had Ishmael. <laughs> and if you want to read down through the genealogies, the children of Isaac are still <laughs> having a lot of trouble with the children of Ishmael, if you haven't noticed. Now, listen, it's not that there's something wrong with a person. And this is another point that is just out of the blue and I think it's important to make, okay? Every single child born belongs to the Lord, okay? Just as just bonus information. A situation arises where a young lady out of wedlock gets married at no point in time am I ever going to sit here and tell you that it's okay to have a physical relationship with someone outside of marriage. It ain't okay. Period, point blank, end of story. That's what the Bible says. It doesn't matter what we feel about it. That's what God's Word says. And he's very adamant about it. Now, when someone sins and falls and gets into a situation like that and has a child out of wedlock, Guess what we do? We don't get a scarlet letter A to pin on her sweater. We don't treat that child as though he's any different than any other child in the church. We love the absolute, ever-living, loving daylights out of mom and the kid. And whoever else is involved, we shower them with love, right? 
We shower them with love. So when I'm talking about this Ishmael stuff, don't get it twisted. God loves the Arabs, okay? Jesus Christ died for Osama bin Laden. Okay, Americans? You got that, right? He loves us. There's one race, and that's the human race in God's eyes. But God had a plan. God had a plan, and Abraham was in a hurry. And Abraham is in a hurry. And it caused problems, and it's caused lots of problems ever since. Saul, King Saul, is another classic example of not waiting on the Lord. Saul was so excited to get the victory that God wanted the children of Israel to have, but he wasn't willing to wait for it to come in God's timing. And he wasn't for, willing to wait for it to be done in God's prescribed ways. And so as he waited on Samuel to come and offer the sacrifices to seek the face of the Lord, Samuel was long, Samuel hadn't gotten there, and so Saul decided he was going to offer the sacrifice himself. Remember, and Saul shows up and says, Samuel shows up and says, what are you doing? Well, we're waiting on you and you didn't show up, so. And remember the words, to obey is better than sacrifice, Saul, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 28 says this, so Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many, and here it is, Christian, to those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation. That's our great and blessed hope, and it all revolves around, guess what, waiting, now I want to read to you another portion that goes along with that. And this is Jesus talking in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 12, starting with verse 35. <clears throat> Let your waist be girded and your lamps burning. And you yourselves be like men who wait for their master when he will return from the wedding. That when he comes and knocks, they may open to him immediately. Now, I want to just kind of go back over that verse again. Let your waist be girded. Now, remember, Dad's taught us about this before. Everyone wore robes, okay? So when it was time to do some physical activity or to jump or step into action, they would take the robe and they would tie it up and tie it around their waist so it became shorts, kind of, okay? And now, boom, ready for some action. So when he says, let your waist be girded and your lamps burning, ready, be ready, be ready to go. Be waiting on the Lord. That's the, that's the language here. Blessed are those servants whom the master, when he comes, he will find watching. Another word for that is waiting. Assuredly, I say to you that he will gird himself and have them sit down to eat and will come and serve them. And if he should come in the second watch or come in the third watch and find them so, Blessed are those servants. In other words, if he goes long, if it's a long time, this is Jesus talking oh, about 2,000 years ago. If he goes long, when he returns and he still finds his people waiting, blessed are those people, blessed are those servants. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Then Peter said to him, Lord, do you speak this parable only to us or to all people? And the Lord said, who then is that? It's like he just ignored Peter. You notice that? Peter asked no question. He's just like, who then is that? 
This is how I see it. I don't know if it's just me. It is Peter after all. And the Lord said, who then is that faithful and wise steward whom his master will make ruler over his household to give them their portion of food in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you that he will make him ruler over all that he has. But if that servant says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming and begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and be drunk, the master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him and at an hour when he is not aware and will cut him in half and appoint him his portion with the unbelievers." pretty strong language there that Jesus uses. The idea there for us is that God's divine plan for us is to wait, is to be waiting, to be presently waiting on the Lord for today, for tomorrow, for the season in your life, for the things that are going on, the big decisions, the small decisions, anything, to be waiting on the Lord. I'm not saying, you know, I haven't brushed my teeth yet because... I'm not sure it's the Lord's will. The Lord, it's the Lord's will, okay? Okay, so, 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 so this is an important thing to say, I think, to everybody. It's never, you never have to wait on the Lord to do the things you know you're supposed to do. You, you don't have to do that. That's when he talks about that faithful steward, that faithful servant, he wants to come and find you doing what he's called you to do, to doing the right things. Take care of your family. Take care of yourself. Take care of the people around you. Do good job at, uh, do a good job at work. The things that you know are the right things to do in your life, do those things. You don't need to wait on the Lord for those things. You know what I'm talking about? The bigger decisions. The bigger decisions. Lord, what's this going to be? Lord, where am I supposed to go? Lord, who am I supposed to be with? Lord, do you have somebody for me? That's a huge one in our culture. Do you have somebody for me? Lord, what are we doing? Lord, why is it taking so long for this or that? Wait on the Lord. Trust in the Lord. I remember one of the great messages uh, from John Corson, he talked about Adam and Eve, and he said, remember what what God did to Adam when he was waiting for his his bride, for his help me. He put him to sleep. He put him to sleep. And John Corson looked out and said, fellas, single guys, And single ladies, go to sleep. Go to sleep. Don't you worry about it. You seek the Lord. You focus on the Lord. And you let him take care of those other things in your life. Um, But God's will for us is to wait on him for those things. But also, the bigger picture, Christians, our lives is one of waiting. God wants us to live our lives in a state of expectancy that we expect him to come back, that idea of having our waist girded up and our lamp in our hands ready to go, waiting on the Lord's return. It's going to happen. Now, for heaven's sakes, I can't tell you if it's going to be today or in 20 years. I don't know. But I'll tell you what, I certainly watch the news, and I certainly see what's going on in the Middle East and all over the world And when I see that the players involved, the main players involved on the world stage today are the ones from Ezekiel 38, uh, I'm watching. I'm waiting. You know what I'm saying? And I want when the Lord returns, him to find us doing what he's called us to do. You know, for me, I I always feel like I got to figure out something else to do. 
There's, I'm not doing enough. Like, and, and, and then Nikki comes out of the wall again and says, amen to that. And then she's gone. You know what I mean? Ugh. I'm not doing enough. You know what I'm saying? It's more than I could. Wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. But wait on the Lord. Okay? He's coming. Lord, I'm ready. I'm doing the things I know I'm supposed to be doing. I'm doing the things that I know are a part of your overall call and life that you've given me. This is where I'm at. This is what I'm doing. These are my people. I'm doing the right things about them. That's what I'm going to be doing. Any other things, ministries, things like that, the VBS sign up. Back to what we were saying at the very beginning of service. Don't you go sign up for VBS because I'm a terrible Christian. I'm awful. God probably hates me. I don't care about little kids. Because you know that voice in your mind? That voice in your mind? You don't even like little kids. What kind of a person isn't willing? You know, that's not the Lord. That's not the Lord. But if the Lord says, but if the Lord puts it in your heart, hey, hey, this is something I would like for you to do or to be involved with, that's your cue. That's your cue. We wait on the Lord. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. And thank you, Lord God, for uh, the simplicity of it, Lord. We pray that you would help us to be meek, uh, Lord, and to be willing to wait and be willing to be patient. Lord, and to not get so ahead of ourselves, Lord, that we trip and fall flat on our faces. Uh, Lord, and, and we find, when we find ourselves on our faces, we pray, Father, that by your grace and your mercy, you'd pick us up and remind us again to quiet our hearts, to quiet our, our hearts, Lord, and to just focus in on you, to rest in you, Lord, and to wait. We pray, Lord, that you would help us in the rat race, Lord, that we're a part of in this age that we live in. Uh, Lord, to be able to quiet our hearts, and to slow everything down. There's probably a hundred different things going through our minds right now while we're saying this prayer. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to quiet those things and to be able to settle ourselves before you and to seek your face and to wait on you, Lord. Have your way in our hearts. Have your way in our lives. Make us more like your son, Jesus, we ask and pray in his name. Amen. 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 Love you, fam.